This is a CQ University Australia podcast, where we talk to some of the university's interesting characters. Hello and welcome to Grapevine, a CQ University podcast. I'm Jessica Cullen and today I'm joined by CQ University's Professorial Research Fellow, Professor Cornel van der Lenotte. Hi Cornel, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Now, firstly, let's chat about Cornel as a young man. Can you share with us some insights into your childhood and where you grew up? Sure. Um, so I, I'm from Belgium. I grew up in, I grew up in Flanders uh, in a, a village called Balem, which is about 20 kilometers from a city called Ghent. And um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too big. Um, so lots of field, farming fields around uh, and lots of space to play and get dirty. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I went to high school there, uh, primary school, high school. And then after that, I went to Ghent to do my university studies at the Ghent University. And I basically did um, all my studies there. So bachelor's, master's, PhD, all in physical education at the Ghent University, which was... Um, you know, an hour with the train up and down every day. Um, yep. Okay. Um, so you talk about, you know, you having a lot of space to, you know, run around and, and you know, just be a normal kid growing up. And is there anything that sort of has stayed with you um, from those times? Um, I suppose I just like to be outside a lot. And um, we had a huge garden, and we had lots of animals that which I was looking after mostly. You know, chickens, ducks, and geese, and and things like that. Um, and so we built camps in the trees, and and the whole back end of the garden was basically my domain. My parents didn't very often come there, and probably a good thing too. <laughs> uh, and beyond that, there was farming fields, and so me and my best buddy, uh, we just. Hang out in the farming fields, doing all sorts of mis- mischief, uh, and I suppose from that, uh, I'll just um, yeah, we were outside all the time, and you know, mum would call us only in the evening. You know, dinner is ready, and she'd really shout very loud because it's a big garden. And but for the rest of the day, she wouldn't care what we do, where we are, you know. And we had lots of freedom as kids that way. There's no worries, no no stranger danger, no traffic, no, no none of that stuff. Uh, and and we'll yeah, we'll just enjoy being outside. So I think what really stuck with me is that I still like to be outside a lot, go bush hiking, go walking, uh, go running, uh, go sailing, whatever it is. Uh, I like to be outdoors a lot. Okay. So do you think it was, I guess, the freedom that your parents allowed you to have that uh, led you to, you know, the research interests that you have today? Uh, I haven't thought about it in that way. Um, uh, Probably not... um, Yeah, my, my research interest, I mean, that came a long way. So... It's it started um, well. I started with my mum in some sort of way because um, when I was um, a kid, I wasn't very active at all. I sat around the house, getting bored. Also, got uh, bullied bullied a little bit at school. Not nothing serious, but um, yeah, not pleasant in any case. Mm-hmm. And so my mum one day suggested, "Why don't you start doing uh, judo? You know, the martial arts." Okay. Um, I'm like. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, and I really got into it. Uh, and I've done it for 
over 15 years, got a, a black belt in it. And but it's a very intense sport. It's very physical. It's it's um, fair bit of suffering involved yeah. to get good at it. Um, but I liked it and I loved it and I was reasonably good at it. And uh, and so I think that sparked my interest in being active. And mm-hmm. and and, um, and that's probably a big part of the reason why I ended up studying physical education, because I liked being active and I thought I was good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it did turn out a bit different when I actually did go to university in the sense that um, I didn't think I was going to be very good at the theoretical subjects. Uh, but I was going to excel at all the physical stuff. It turned out it was the other way around. Okay. Um, so a bit of misperception there. I, I was reasonably good at, at all the theory stuff, did the exams reasonably well, but then for lots of the the sports, because we had exams for every single sport, we had to swim, we had to do athletics, we had to row, karate, everything, you name it, we had an exam for it. Um, I was good at the martial arts because I'd already been doing that for a long time. But a lot of the other sports, um, I was just kind of just coping, uh, just just good enough to go to the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the theory, the theory stuff, I yeah, kind of smashed that stuff surprisingly. Okay, so the theory was never really something that you were great at no. going through school. E- exactly, um, I was at high school only just coping most of the time and uh, just enough to again go from one grade to another um, and then only in the very last year of high school I decided like I want to do university but eh, maybe I don't know if I'm good enough so I, at that point I decided to give it a really good go and my grades went up massively and like okay I'm, I'm, I'm good enough to at least give it a shot and I knew I'd only had one shot at it so I went really hard the first year at university making sure I was doing well for all the theory stuff and I, I excelled in the end of the day which nobody saw coming not even myself because um, a lot of people thought my my mum uh, was crazy for even letting me go to university because you know he's never going to make it blah 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 uh, and and yeah no I did make it um, but I did struggle more with the, the physical things uh, to, my, to my own surprise okay yeah. But in return, you um, surprised everyone around you that yeah. you, you made it. <laughs> and I suppose because I had three major interests back in the day, and that was either, either um, philosophy, mm-hmm. which is a bit of an odd choice, um, uh, geography or physical education. And I chose physical education because I thought the theory bit was going to be the easiest. Okay. And, and I was going to excel in the, in the physical bit. And, and so I suppose I could have chosen any of the others as well in, in hindsight. Yep. Um, but I'm still quite happy with the choice that I made. Okay. Now, you talk about, you know, growing up um, overseas. Mm-hmm. Now, at what point did you move to Australia and and why did that happen? Yes. Um, I moved to Australia when I was 27. Um, this was half year after the finishing of my PhD. Um, and I moved here because of a job, basically. Um, and it's, moving overseas was something I always wanted to do. Uh, I, in fact, at the time, I was also looking to go to Africa to um, do some um, uh, work in some aid projects, more around sports and physical activity as well for, for refugees children in refugee camps and to you know get the give them some enjoyment through sports and, and activity um, but uh, at the same time I had the opportunity to come to Australia and to do a three-year uh, research appointment at the University of Queensland and in terms of um, 
so both job security and future and build it and starting to build a career that was a more sound option, maybe less adventurous, um, but more sound. So I, I did choose for the more conservative option. Um, my desire to move overseas was coupled with the fact that um, the climate in Belgium is pretty shitty, <laughs> to say it in a nice way. Um, it's and, and of course, here in Queensland, it's always nice and warm and, and tropical. Um, a lot of people think it's too hot down here. Most people in Belgium would definitely think it's too hot down here, but um, I, I, I certainly like it. Um, yeah, I, I love the climate here, so I'm not complaining about the heat. So this current cool snap that we're experiencing, you don't <laughs> find cold at all? Um, it, well, it's cold for sure, but 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 um, nothing compared to winter in Belgium, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it'd be a lot colder than, than there. Definitely. But, but, but the annoying thing in, in, of the Belgium climate would be is that, um, you know, it would just be drizzling and it'd be grey and overcast for days on end. It would it wouldn't be warm, but it wouldn't be freezing either either. And that would be most of the year like that. Uh, and sure, you've got a couple of good months in summer, but then the rest of the year is pretty drab. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas here, it's the other way around. Sure, you have you get rain here, and then when it comes off, and it's a lot. Um, but then the rest of the year, you have 300 days of sunshine, and it's such a delight to see the sun out all the time. Whereas in Belgium, you have to be lucky to get it. Yeah, yeah. So do you go back and visit home at all? Yeah, every so often, uh, yeah. once a year or once a two years. Depends a bit on the conferences that are around. I usually try to yeah, make a, a, a sort of a detour after a conference and, and go and visit the friends and family. Okay. And um, previously, you mentioned that you know, before moving here, you looked at going to Africa to work with um, refugees. Is that something that you have been able to do? No, that that um, that went away basically. That, okay. that was, um, yeah, that was a choice. I had really had to make a choice between Australia and Africa, and mm-hmm. uh, and I suppose I took the rational choice, not mm-hmm. the adventurous one. And and but then my career here has been going on and on, and and so that that uh, has never come back into view basically yeah okay so you just mentioned um your career just progressed since you've moved to australia so would you just share with us sort of how it has progressed and the the milestones that you've reached sure um yeah absolutely um well it's it's an interesting story it's not as straightforward as people may think it is um so i i came to to be at the university of queensland on a three-year contract Worked with some pretty high-profile professors there, which um, I already knew through my PhD work. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I didn't end up liking it all that much down there. In fact, um, I seriously detested the way they managed me. Um, And I um, ended up... um, even just not even wanting to be an academic anymore. I was so de- demotivated. It was coupled with the management style, which which was a lot less independent than when I was still a PhD student. I had more freedom as a PhD student and I could do whatever I liked. Whereas as, as staff at the University of Queensland, I really felt like I was going backwards rather than forwards. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, and coupled with not having your own project or not having your own funding, um, that wasn't very motivating. However, I did work very hard down there to get a postdoctoral fellowship, mm-hmm. which uh, after many, many, many revisions it was submitted and was successful. So that was an NHMRC, a combined NHMRC and Heart Foundation research fellowship for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I initially got it, um, I was, in fact, so uh, rock bottom that I 
seriously considered to decline it. Uh, but we ended up uh, pushing it away for a whole year and just holding it off. And in the meanwhile, I went, uh, I, I kind of resigned from the University of Queensland okay. and, and went to work for Queensland Health for half a year on a, on a project called Eat Well uh, Queensland, Eat Well Queensland. Uh, and just doing the midterm evaluation, working in a whole different environment, uh, very, very different than the academic environment. That was um, very interesting mm-hmm. uh, and kind of learned that it wasn't my kind of thing either. I kind of enjoyed the academic environment a lot more. Um, and while while I was doing that half-year stint at Queensland Health, um, Professor Kerry Mamry got in touch with me, and he was a professor that used to be here. Mm-hmm. And, and he just said, oh, I like your work. I've been reading your, your PhD papers and things like that. Why don't you come up to Rocky and, and give a presentation? I'm like, okay, why not? Sounds, sounds interesting enough. And so uh, I flew up and um, he toured me around the place. I stayed at his place. He showed me the coast, uh, showed me the buildings where, where everybody was working. And I really liked the vibe. I did the presentation. All went well. And so at the end of the visit, I said, what would you think if I started to work for you? Um, he was a bit baffled because, um, of course, the way it works with the fellowship is it's on my name and I can move it wherever I want. So the people in Queensland weren't so happy. Uh, people at the University of Queensland weren't so happy, but uh, uh, Kerry, Kerry was very happy uh, <laughs> that I wanted to come here and work with him. And um, it was a bit of a bold choice. A lot of people back then were saying, why would you go to Rockhampton for? Um, but it's, I think it's the best career choice I've ever made. Um, wow. It took a while for the joy to come back, but eventually it did come back. And I've been having a really good ride ever since. I've really enjoyed working here and, and being an academic. Uh, so it was a big, massive turnaround, going from a low to a high, and the high has been going for several years now, and it's yeah, it's still going well. Okay, well, hopefully that just continues yeah, for, we'll for a while. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, going on um, with your current role with CQU, can you share us, or tell us, sorry, um, some of your current research projects and research interests? Sure. So, so my research is all about um, helping people to be more active, and and mostly through using technology. So, so websites, apps, activity trackers, chatbots, all all of that stuff. Uh, the idea is that we we can um, because because so few people are meeting the physical activity recommendations, uh, less than half the population. So, on the population of twenty five million in Australia, that's. 12 and a half million people that are not meeting the recommendations. And so they're missing out on a whole range of health benefits and they are a lot more likely to get uh, a range of chronic diseases. Uh, so lots of burden of disease associated with that, lots of healthcare costs associated with that. So there's a real um, clear need to come up with uh, new ways, innovative ways to help people be more um, active. And so the idea behind my work is that we develop and examine interventions that can reach a lot of people at, at low cost because we, we don't have enough money to sit face-to-face with 12.5 million people and, and help them one-on-one to, to be, become more active. Um, I mean, sure, that is still the best method if you can um, guide someone personally to, to become more active, but, but the, the infrastructure and the funding is simply not available. So looking for alternative methods and then turning to technology as, a, as mass reach technologies, basically. And so websites can reach people anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, so my research has is, is mainly been looking at how can we make those websites actually effective? Turns out it's pretty hard. 
Uh, it's not just put something on the internet and people will use it. They will go there forever. <laughs> they will use your stuff. No, it's um, it's it's actually not easy at all uh, to uh, first get people to find your website and then to come back and use it over and over to change their behavior. We do know when people do that when they use it when they use well, website or apps or whatever it is a lot. They will change their behavior, but the the, the hardest bit is actually to, for them to use it a lot. Uh, and so, so a lot of the research is, is focused on um, how do we make these websites and apps uh, more engaging so people want to come back more uh, time and time again. So like, like when people go to Facebook, they go there every single day. Mm-hmm. They spend lots of time on Facebook. How can we do that with our you know, more boring health promotion websites? So that's, that's the big question for my research. Okay. And one of the, um, I guess... Um, programs that you guys have run for a while now is the 10,000 Steps That's right. program. So how does that fit in with what you're aiming to achieve? Yeah, so 10,000 Steps, um, that's, that's a bit of a weird story because it was already here before I got here. 10,000 okay. Steps is funded for nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I inherited that uh, from Carrie, uh, who's left mm-hmm. university, unfortunately. Um, so it's a very, very good inheritance to get I can tell you that uh, it's been a, a, an amazing project to work on and it started um, mostly as um, a whole of community type of intervention it was all around getting Rockhampton to be more active and it wasn't just a website the website was just only one component of, of, of that massive campaign that included GPs and supermarkets and building walkways and it was really everywhere uh, for, for, for at least one or two years uh, and so when that project, that was initial a two-year project, when that project was over, Queensland Health said, we, we love it and we want to keep funding it. But we, you, we don't want you just to do it for Rockhampton. We want you to do it for all of Queensland. Wow. And, okay, that's it's a pretty big state. You can fit Belgium 64 times in Queensland. <laughs> and so you need a different approach. And so then, of course, I chose to um, go 100% for the technology approach and use websites and apps. And so I've been involved. Um, I've, I've been at Central Queensland University for over 10 years now. Um, and I've been involved all along. Um, and and so it's been an interesting ride. We've, we we redesigned website. We we developed apps. We redeveloped apps. We now our apps linking uh, our website links with Fitbit and Garmin. Those things didn't even exist when I first came along. So it's it, we continuously reinventing the wheel, or maybe not the wheel, but how to best engage people and keep it interesting and and. Um, Keep it up to date with how people use technology today, um, and um, yeah, but it keeps going. Um, we are um, still uh, bringing in over two thousand people every month. Uh, yeah. That that on average, you know, people log forty million steps a day on the website. It's 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 a powerhouse. It's amazing, and it keeps going. And and so hopeful that um, Queensland government thinks the same of it. And and because it, it, it it's the funding is never guaranteed. I mean. 10,000 Steps has been here so long, everybody thinks it's a forever thing, but time and time we have to go back to the government and say, hey, w- would you refund us? And so it's it's never a given. It's never a certainty. Uh, so we have to keep um, demonstrating that the program is worth its money. So far, so good. And so we're hopeful for many more years, but it's, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen ever. Okay. So when you see those kinds of numbers, um, like those Steps numbers lodged on the website, do you ever sit back and think, you know, Wow, the work that I'm doing is really, you know, making an impact. Um, 
Mm, it, it's it, it's because it's all the Dental Steps project and uh, any of the other projects I've involved with. I don't really actually get a lot of face to face time with participants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get to see the people that use it all day every day. Um, and and so, yeah, maybe not enough. Maybe I should stop a bit more often and think. Hey, it's 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 you know, imagine that forty million steps on a day. Uh, yeah. They're they they're amazing numbers, but yeah, um, it's it's hard to make 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 sense of it in reality. Um, but yeah, it it is. Um, you know, we recently had um, engagement and impact assessment from run by the ARC, and so obviously we put forward ten thousand steps as one of the case studies, and it was awarded as or rated as high impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so we know it has high impact. It's been copied around the world. So, 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 on the rational level, yes, I know it's it's an impactful project. But on the on the personal level, what what you what it actually does to people, and it will do something different for everybody. And uh, it's it's hard to imagine that I think yeah. We're just going to um, move on from that now, and we're going to talk about you know your interest in health behaviours. Now it sounds like you've always been interested in that area, given that you were an active kid and you studied um, physical education and things like mm-hmm. that. Now, do you practice what you preach? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, very heavily so. In fact. I was um, when I went to university and, and started studying fed, physical education. I've I've always been a very health conscious person, and I was kind of very surprised to realize that the typical physical education student is not at all. Mm. Uh, I found it a contradiction, but but later on figured out that it's probably normal. The, the physical education students are the ones that party the most, drink the most, smoke the most, <laughs> eat the most chili food ever, uh, which which I didn't think... Yeah, I was quite surprised by that because um, I don't do any of those things. Okay. Um, I, 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 do, I do lots of uh, physical activity, lots of running and riding my bicycle um, and try to eat healthy... Don't smoke, don't drink, those kind of things. So, yes, I, I really try to um, live healthy. I mean, a big part, I mean, not only to feel great now, but also to feel great later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this is this is my quality of life for when, I, when I'm older. will will have an immense influence whether I'm, I'm healthy or not. Uh, and But it, it takes all your life, basically. It, so... Physical activity is the, is is the kind of running race that never ends. That's that's how I like. It can be demotivating for people saying, "Hey, you should be, become more active." But once you stay, once you are active, it's forever. Because if you stop, you've kind of done it for nothing. Correct. Yeah. Because um, yeah, that the only way to to prevent chronic disease is to be active or to eat healthy or not to smoke all your life, not just one or two years and then oh yeah, I've sunk back into old habits. I'm sure it made a difference. Yeah, probably not. Um, so, Which so, could yeah. be quite confronting for for people to hear, and it is, mm. and it is. So, so it's and, and part of the mission, of course, is not just to to get people more active, but get them to do something they like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the good thing about physical activity there, I suppose, is that it doesn't really matter what you do. A- any activity is good for you. Uh, it, it, you know, it can be uh, aerobic, anaerobic, sports, team based, individual. It doesn't really matter. Whatever floats your boat. Um, is is okay uh, as long as you do something that you like because that's the only thing you're going to de- keep doing forever uh, and so don't worry about the intensity and the duration and the repetition just do something that you like and do it forever so what do you like doing? 
So I already mentioned I like um, I like running a lot. Um, uh, I go running every morning. Well, not every morning. Uh, most mornings before work. Um, I used to run every morning f- before work, but then my calf started playing up. So now I run one day, ride another day, run one day, ride another day. Um, but I'm doing an activity or an hour of activity every day before work. I think it keeps me sane and it keeps me productive. Uh, and I just love doing it. I love running. Uh, and uh, I've stopped doing any sorts of races or fun runs. I've I've done a lot of those. I run a couple of marathons, but I just run because I like it. And I don't need any races or competitions to keep me going. I just get up in the morning and just go running over the hills or on the beaches or whatever it is. And I just love doing it. Uh, don't ask me why. <laughs> it's, I, I, I get annoyed very quickly if I can't do my running. So you mentioned that you, you know, no longer interested in doing the marathon running or anything like that. But is there something that you have planned for down the track that, you know, you're just going to go out and do for yourself? Um, not not something f- immediately, but I mean, there's always things that I like to do. I've, I've done a lot of um, bushwalking. Um, I, d- I did a, the Lara Pinta Trail a couple of years ago, and that's a 260-kilometer walk. In central uh, Central Australia, um, it, it finishes in Alice Springs. So that's out in the bush. I did that. That took me seventeen days to walk. Um, and I I did uh, walks in Tasmania, South Coast Trail, um, the Overland Trail. I did walks in Europe, back in Europe as well. Uh, so I like being outdoors. And and one thing I have in mind, I haven't uh, decided when I will do it, but it's it's on the list. Uh, you know, it, it may happen in next year in five years or in 10 years so um, the Lara Pinta Trail was on the list for a very long time but it did happen um, that's the Mundabidi Trail uh, and that's not a walking trail it's actually a mountain bike trail and it's uh, over a thousand kilometers long it's in Western Australia it's the longest continuous off-road track that you can ride and and so it's a bit of a challenge and it sounds like yeah like I'd like to do that I think uh, and there's there's um, shelters along the way and camps where you can set up for the, for the night. So it's all well organized. Um, and just you just rock up with your bicycle and all with all your camping gear packed onto it. Yep. And away you go uh, for a thousand kilometers. There's such long durations, both the walk and the mountain bike. You know, it, it must be such a mental challenge, you know, just to have that endurance to keep pushing yourself. It, the, physically, I don't find find it very hard, because mm-hmm. it because um, it, it's it's slow travel, right? Walking in itself is not very hard. Um, and when I did the the, the Lara Pinta trail, it's only half a day you walk or something, and then you're at the next point, set up camp and all of that. So, um, but but it's it's just good to get away from stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and just you know, just nature and yourself and silence and and, and the birds and and the animals and and stuff like that. So that's really what what drives me to do these things is to be in nature, to be outdoors, because uh, I, I really like I like that a lot. Um, so yeah, and I mean, and and it doesn't always have to be you know so extreme, right? Um, I've got a two-year-old son, so that 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 requires a bit of a different approach into traveling. <laughs> so, what last year, um, me and my partner, we went walking for a whole week 
um, in the south of Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- what we did, because well, we had the baby with us, um, we put him in the backpack in, the, in one of those baby carriers. And, yeah. But we walked basically from one hotel to another. There, there's tours that you can do that way. And so, you know, every night you're in a three-star hotel and then during the day you do your hike. Uh, so, so you still get to be out there in nature and enjoy it. But, you know, I have the baby there as well. And, and so obviously it's a lot more pampered version than <laughs> staking out or you know, camping out 14 days in, in the desert. But... Um, you know, as long as I get to be out there in nature, that, that's what counts most, more, more than, you know, oh, it needs to be an extreme long endurance event or whatever. So is that something you do regularly with the family? So you all like to get out outdoors and, you know, be one with nature as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all our, our holidays are really uh, based around yeah, nature and being out there and, and mostly walking. We, we like walking. We were in... Uh, uh, Lord Howe Island, uh, end of last year. Uh, it's not a huge island, but you know, after all the walking trails, they're there. <laughs> There's none yeah. left now. Uh, <laughs> Tick that one off the list. Yeah, moving and on. It's, I can really recommend. It. It's an awesome place to go, and it's not far from here either. So it's it's really an amazing place. And I, and I, I like traveling in general and being out in nature. It doesn't have to be Australia. It doesn't it doesn't really matter where it is, uh, as long as we can be out there and get away from all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you not only like to challenge yourself, you know, in your work life, but also, you know, in your personal life in terms of being active and things like that. Is there any reason why you like to push yourself that little bit further, like push your body to the limits in terms of physical activity and, you know, you've reached the... I don't know. It's really hard to, to, to answer that question. I don't really know where it comes from because I go running. And I could just take it easy, and I could just you know jog along, but I like to run hard. Yeah. And and <laughs> I will be you know exhausted by the end of my run every single time I go for a run, mm-hmm. and I can't moderate myself. Um, I don't know where that comes from. It's okay. just in me. Um, it's just my personality, I suppose, and that, you know it's a genetic thing. I don't know. I can't really explain it, but that's that's I suppose how it th- goes with most things. Um, yeah. Okay, and you talk about your love of traveling. Now, yeah. are there any um, particular trips that you have planned with the family down the track? Well, short term, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next, uh, in October, we go to um, Mauritius and Reunion uh, in the Indian Ocean, uh, go explore those islands. Um, but long term, uh, I'm into sailing a lot. Again, it's being out in nature, so being on the water. I love being on the water. I used to have a sailboat, a um, uh, 32-foot west sail for people that are into sailing. Uh, and we sailed it to New Caledonia, which is uh, 1,600 kilometers of open water uh, to get there. So that was, it took us 10 or 11 days to get there. Um, and then we sailed it back. And that one, a lot better. That was only seven days coming back. And the wind was in our favor then. Um, and so, so yeah, um, I, love, I love sailing. I love exploring Mm-hmm. That way, so we can combine the, the walking and and seeing of of places with sailing and, and transporting stuff. It's all it's all a different t- type of travel. It's really slow travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't hop in a plane and get to the other world and quickly see things and then fly back. It, this is really slow travel, and you have to work with the weather. Uh, the weather really dictates where you go and where you don't go and when you do it. Uh, so yes, um, so it is a dream to one day. Um, buy a boat again, a bigger one than the previous one, and, and just circumnavigate, do the whole thing. Uh, that would be a three- or four-year adventure. 
Uh, so wow. it, it's it's still a dream, but it's it's not going away. It's been there for a long time. Yeah, but if you just keep going the way you do it, going, I'm sure you'll get there at some point. We'll see. Yeah. So um, just quickly with your sale um, that you uh, recent or well, completed, you talk about the wind not being in your favour on the way over there. Were there some scary moments throughout that where you thought, what are we doing? Do we need to turn back? Um, yeah, actually there were. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we, 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 we did actually turn back for a little while and that's why where okay. it took us a whole extra day. Um, basically we left, everything was fine and then we knew that we were going to hit a rough patch of wind which was a fair bit rougher than we expected and then, and because uh, my partner was on the boat obviously we both got quite sick um, and um, my partner pushed it very hard to turn back um, but then that rough patch disappeared and we had nothing but light winds and so it would be crazy not to push on because was, this was three years preparation in the making because this was an old boat 40 year old boat so did, uh, you didn't just uh, buy a boat and, and go sailing across an ocean so it was lots of preparation to not only get the boat ready but get our sailing skills up uh, and, and understand you know understand weather understand boats understand sailing understand all of that and so that was that was a venture of several years so um, luckily we did push on and and move along but we did lose a day over that but then we had very light winds the entire rest of the trip uh, and it was a bit of a slow trip because of that um, not because of bad weather because of no weather basically yeah <laughs> um, but and then coming back we had the wind in the back literally and uh, and at the perfect uh, angle the perfect strength and it was a dream ride back home so uh, and yeah what did you do when you got home did you celebrate did you did you do anything that just marked that occasion? Not really. No? <laughs> That's just another thing, I suppose. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean we, we've done a lot of other sailing trips along the coast, but never one that we crossed an ocean for. So, And in, okay. in, the, in the big scheme of things, that's only a small part of an ocean that we crossed, right? The Pacific is a lot bigger than that. That's right. And yeah. New Caledonia is in, in the big, bigger scheme of things, all, not that far away from Australia as well. So only takes an hour and a half to fly there. In fact... <laughs> Uh, in fact, when I was in New Caledonia, I had to fly to Sydney mm-hmm. to do an interview with the Heart Foundation to get the Heart Foundation Fellowship because I had planned the interviews smack bang in the middle of my holiday and I couldn't move things around. As I said, you don't negotiate with the weather. Yeah. So we were already in New Caledonia. I had to fly back to Sydney to do the interview and then hop back on the plane, back to my holiday. To sail back well, yeah, so I Australia. left the boat in New Caledonia when I briefly went to Sydney yeah. um, to do the interview, successfully landed the fellowship, so it was definitely worth doing it, and then go back to my holiday and, and continue as if it didn't happen. Wow. So I, I guess you, when you got back home, you were, you know, celebrating, one, you you sailed successfully, and two, you got the fellowship. Well, Yes, but at that stage we didn't. I didn't know yet whether I got the fellowship. Right, that was okay. the interview. So, so yes, the sale went, went, was all went well. But then I was still waiting for, I think, two more months before they finally announced that that I was successful getting the fellowship. Yeah, yeah. and then you figured out that it was worth flying back for. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Cornel. It's been great getting to know you, and um, all the best with planning that uh, Munda Bindi track. Yeah, we'll see how we go with that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> like this podcast? Don't forget to rate, review and share with your friends.